Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise me I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Hey, it's the Outsiders. With Bryn Griffiths and Robin Brownlee. How you doing, Robin? I'm excellent. I love there's nothing like a little horn in the morning. Okay, let's just leave it at that. And uh kind of especially the old Chicago Stadium uh yes. horn, which is really kind of the two horns that well, there's one that I disliked the most from working with the Oilers organization, and that was the one in Dallas. It just uh, <laughs> I heard it way too much when I worked with the organization. And it's a very distinctive horn. They, the, but the Chicago Stadium one is kind of the, I think it's the gold bar for horns, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know what? I, I, there's a lot of them around the league I like. The one thing I never liked, and I'm sorry because it was sort of innovative, that bloody cannon in, in Columbus. <laughs> scared. Yeah. You knew it was there, and it still scared the shit out of you every time it went off. What do you think the Kraken are going to come up with? in Seattle when it becomes their turn to join the league. You know what? I don't know, but I bet you it's going to be fun. Um, obviously, you know, we've got Todd Humphrey coming up later in the show. Um, he's got a great story to tell, but just look at their hires, you know, uh, Cami Granado, the front office people they brought in, um, you know, uh, Todd is, is going to be digital and tech and, all that stuff with them. Their hirings are very now. They're very edgy. They're very smart, young people who, you know, the blend of, uh, you know, hockey ops and sort of the look ahead as opposed to the look back. So, I mean, hey, I was kind of a totems guy from the old days. Yeah. They go, they go with the Kraken. Um it, I think it's I, – I'm pumped to see what they come up with. Whatever they do, it's going to be innovative for sure. I know some people were a little negative about the Kraken because they didn't know the story of the Kraken. And I don't know if the truth be told, and I don't know if anybody's even mentioned this, but Captain Highliner lost his leg to a Kraken, if I'm not mistaken. Is that Have you heard that story? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a good story to throw out there. You know, before you got into the fish, Our, before you got into the fish sticks business, are Billy ever been to see? Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with Todd. And you're yeah. right, Todd's story is interesting and very curious uh-huh. to see exactly how things are going to go in the new arena, which isn't really a new arena. Well, he'll explain no. it. He'll explain it. Uh, the other thing too is that the naming rights of the arena were pretty. I don't want to say simple because it's never easy when you're talking about big bucks. But Amazon got on board, and we'll talk about that also coming up in a little bit. I, I'm really looking forward to chatting with him in a little bit. And also, because we're getting close to Christmas, we did it last year. We're doing it again this time around. We're going to check with Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports. They're online if you're looking for memorabilia, that kind of stuff, especially with the Western teams in particular. You can go online and yep. check out what they're doing at Pro-Am Sports, and Jack will join us. One of the things we've got to talk to Jack about is the retro jerseys. Mm-hmm. because they went on sale last week in many locations sold out 
And uh, that was done with the NHL and the specific clubs. And now it's open as of today, I believe, for other organizations and other retail outlets to start selling those jerseys as well. You know, and it's funny, we talked a couple episodes ago about, you know, the, the jerseys we liked, the ones we didn't care for so much. It'll be interesting from a sales point of view to see what the public thinks because uh, dollars talk. I wonder what's, what, what the best sellers are going to be because some I really liked and others not so much. The other thing too, and I chatted with Jack last week, who was setting up the interview for today, and he said, I really like what the Kraken are doing because he says, we're getting a lot of interest in Kraken gear. So uh, I said, well, it's better get Kraken. And, uh, you know, speaking of getting Kraken, let's talk about how things have changed in a week. All of a sudden, last week, I was pretty negative about if there would even be an NHL season. Now it looks like they're getting a little bit closer. We're starting to hear more. I don't know if that's a sanity sanity thing starting to creep in with both the Players Association and the National Hockey League about the fact they cannot afford to not have a season. But, Robin, we were talking last week, we didn't even know there'd be a season. And now it's starting to leak out a little bit that maybe the middle of January is a possibility. And you and I both talked about the fact that January 1 was not really even, wasn't reasonable or realistic in any matter. So this is probably better. Well, I I didn't have much doubt that there would be uh, a season. It wasn't so much that for me, Bryn. It was the date you talked about. I mean, I think, uh, uh, and I think some other people agreed. It was probably almost a month ago now, uh, you know, when the date moved from December to January 1st. I remember writing at Oilers Nation. I just said, there's no bloody way it's going to be January 1st. You just had to look at the, the, you know, COVID is the biggest thing here. We, I hate to keep bringing it into the sports realm, but it is part of the sport. It's part of the everything realm right now. And even as, even a week ago, we, we didn't hear an update in terms of that January 1st was the last date we had, and there was just no bloody way that was going to happen. I still think mid-January is uh, very optimistic. Uh, my thought is first week of February. We'll see how it goes. they got to talk out the money. Uh, they've got to get everything settled alignments done. I mean, they've been scratched out on paper for a while, Canadian division, etc. But they're going to have to wait and see. And I tell you what, Bryn, again, to go back to the reason we're even having to talk about this, they are going to have to see what the numbers look like a week to 10 days after Christmas. And I am telling you, they are going to be fucking ugly. And that is going to play a big part in what you can do, how you can do it, and where you can do it. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Notice that Connor McDavid has returned to Edmonton. We saw the footage of him reuniting with his dog. He's been down in Arizona <laughs> training with Austin, uh, Austin Matthews. And uh, I guess if you're going to take a positive out of that, players seem to be rolling back into their, uh, their cities to start prepping because I think this is going to come together. And if it comes together, it's going to come together quickly. Listen, we want to get to Todd Humphrey as fast as we can, and we'll get to Jack Cookson as well. And then at the back end, let's talk about the world juniors, which I think a week ago, I was very concerned that the thing would even uh, take place because we were starting to see some issues, some cracks in the foundation, the COVID foundation with team Canada. 
but it sounds yeah. like all the European teams and Team America have uh, have done their testing and they're all ready to start heading to Edmonton at some point this week. We'll get to that at the back end of our podcast today. Of course, The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. I was talking with Brent McIntosh this past week, and we talked about the year 2020, and they, they talked about how it was really a struggle the first six months of the year. I think it was like that for most businesses, but they had a chance to sit down and start to address some of the challenges they were having selling homes and helping people buy homes in the Edmonton area. The numbers aren't quite where they were a year ago, but they did a nice job of rebounding here in the back six months of this calendar year. And uh, they're, they're pleased with how successful the back end of the year has gone. And the, the big thing for them is helping buyers find their next home and helping sellers sell their homes and get that big sold sign put out in front. And uh, the one thing I also talked about, I said, are you still looking for team members? Because they're growing. They, uh, they not only took on the challenge of 2020, but as I said, it has actually gone better than they thought. And yes, they are still looking to hire a few more team members. So if you're interested or, or you've, uh, you know, you've been struggling and you've got your real estate degree and are interested in talking to Brent, get a hold of them at the Macintosh Group at 780-464-0075 or online at macintoshgroup.ca. Once again, looking for sellers, buyers, and a new agent. So give Brent a call. They'd love to hear from you. All right. We're going to take a look at uh, we're going to take a look at what's going on in Seattle with the senior vice president of fan experience and digital, and that's Todd Humphrey. Well, we come back right here on the Outsiders. Joining us from the Emerald City is the vice president. Is it senior vice president? Are you a senior vice president? Yeah, and I don't know if that's a, that's a great thing or it just means I'm getting older, but yes, senior vice president. Okay, of digital and fan experience with the Seattle Kraken. There's a lot of excitement about the Kraken in Edmonton, and I'm sensing it from people I talk to in Calgary. I don't know how excited they are about it in Vancouver because they're going to hate your guts in another year, and that's perfect. But Todd Humphrey is joining us. Thanks for your time today. Are you excited? I guess you want to see the NHL play one season so you guys can get going. We we, we are anxious. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. But you, you're right. We are, we've are we been counting the originally the seasons, and now we're actually counting the weeks. So excited to get the 2021 season uh, up and, and, in our view, out of the way so we can drop the puck here in Seattle. You know, Todd, looking at your story, what's ahead is certainly going to be exciting uh, everything that happens in Seattle from now until the puck actually drops. But the one thing I got a good laugh out of was I was looking through the hockey leagues you played in, yeah, which probably turn out far more uh, teachers, lawyers, and garbage men than they do uh, National Hockey League players. And here's here's Todd Humphrey with, 357 penalty minutes with the Flint Generals, more penalty minutes than noted goon uh, Mel Angelstead one year, and uh, guys who are in senior VP of digital and tech jobs like yours 
are generally pretty sharp. So take me from dropping the gloves uh, as a, as, you know, from goon to tech dynamo, as it were. Oh, Robin, but, but you're, you're not reading the whole stat sheet because that year was also my most productive year with 35 <laughs> goals and 70 points. So I got to get that in because my, my mom is going uh, to hate on you for it. Um, listen, it's, uh, I love that you, you brought up Mel. We played against each other for three, maybe four years. I mean, they don't make them much more tough than, uh, than that guy. And we, uh, we're still in touch to this day. The nice thing about the hockey world, as we all know, is it's a, it's a small one. So a lot of the guys that I have either punched in the face or been punched in the face by, uh, you know, we're still in touch and uh, we, we share some laughs today. But that was a hell of a season. It was actually my last full season. I was coming off of, uh, coming off of back surgery and I, um, I, I worked our, my way back into the lineup and, uh, and ended up on a phenomenal line. My right winger was Kevin Kerr, one of the most prolific goal scorers in, the, in minor league history. I think he was in the Hall of Fame as the, as the most prolific until recently. Uh, and Mark Centerman, first name was Brian, and his last name Sackick, uh-huh. um, Joe's brother. So, you know, I remember one of my first practices with Shaq, and he just said, listen, I don't go into the corners. All you need to do is go to the net and put your stick on the ice. So of my, uh, you know, I like to say of my 35 goals, they probably traveled a a grand total of about 10 feet. Um, But it was, listen, those were amazing leagues to play in and amazing teams and teammates. And um, it was not the NHL, but at the same time, you know, we got to live our dream in a different way. Uh, We didn't fly on chartered planes. We got to uh, ride buses from uh, Muskegon to Quad Cities to uh, Utica, New York. Um, and Thunder Bay, Ontario, speaking of Mel Engelstad, but uh, great times and memories. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a great time in my life. Now, Todd, I, I saw a clip about you, and you went over uh, to England briefly and played there. <laughs> so tell me, did you, did you uh, spend more time in your apartment there or in the bar below your apartment during that time you spent in Britain? Oh, you're talking about Flanagan's Pub. So we pull, so we pull, we land over there, and, and our, our host picks us up, and he says, "Do you, you know, do you want to go out for a beer first, or do you want to go to your your flat and uh, and get a shower?" And uh, my buddy Dan Fowler and I said, "Well, we, we probably shower after a long flight over the pond." So, anyways, he drives through town and he pulls up in front of this place called Flanagan's Pub, and we said, "Actually, we'd really prefer to just grab a shower before the beer." And, he says, oh, no, boys, you're living right up there, right over top of Flanagan's Pub. Um, this place was amazing. It was the kind of the center point in town. Um, it was the bar to go to. And on, uh, on Monday nights, uh, randomly, it turned into a gentleman's club. Um, and there was, uh, you know, I won't go into many details, but it, <laughs> it was an amazing place. We had a dumb waiter that went from behind the bar right directly up into our living room. Uh, so, you know, we'd send down happy hour, send down a note that said, you know, send up four pints, and lo and behold, four point, pints would appear in our living room. So it was a fantastic experience. The people in England, we were, you know, we're four hours north of London, um, and we got to see a lot of the countryside just, you know, on off days and whatnot, and we loved it over there. The hockey was, was interesting, to say the least, but I uh, just had a wonderful experience there. 
But that, yeah, to answer your question, it'll go unanswered. I'm not telling you where I spend more time. No, that's okay. <laughs> but there was a fan experience involved, no doubt about that. But hey, let, let's uh, let's talk about one before we talk about the Kraken. Let's talk about how you got to this position with the Seattle Kraken. How did this come about? You know, when I left the game in uh, in '95, which is all of a sudden, uh, you know, a quarter of a century ago, um, I moved to Seattle in uh, in 2000, um, and I was in the tech industry. I spent, uh, you know, the last uh, 18, 19 years in the in the tech industry, and um, have just been part of a couple of really, you know, unique companies and, and a couple of Canadian based companies. I'm super proud of Kobo, which is a you know an e reading company. We built that and sold it in 2012. Founded another um, another company with my business partner Mike Serbinus and others uh, called League, which is a health benefits company. So I've always been in in the um, in the tech space, but really what I enjoyed about it was building. Um, and so we built tech companies in different industries and grew those teams and those companies. And um, in 2016, you know, in, I never left Seattle, but in 2016, a, a friend in the mayor's uh, office here asked me if I would be the hockey representative on a committee for the mayor of Seattle, former Mayor Murray, um, to evaluate two um, proposals to redo Key Arena, which is where the, the Sonics played and the Thunderbirds ultimately played a while back. And um, it was a great committee. It was full of, you know, different community uh, folks and leaders, um, you know, restaurateurs and, and other folks and, and business leaders. Um, I was the hockey representative and, a gentleman by the name of Lenny Wilkins was the basketball representative. Canadians will know him from his time with the Raptors. And I remember saying to Lenny, our very last meeting, I said, Lenny, you may be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm going to get a team before you are, man. And uh, so we, we spent a bunch of time evaluating, you know, the, the proposals to redo the arena. Um, we selected the one from the Oakview group. Um, I started working kind of behind the scenes with, with Tim Laiwicki and his team, um, at OVG, through that, um, made some introductions on our ownership group, um, and then started got introduced to Todd Lywicki. And listen, when you meet the Lywicki brothers, uh, there is nothing about those guys that you don't want to run through a wall for. Um, and I just, uh, Todd and I was running, I was a CEO of a software company here. Um, Todd and I had breakfast, and I said, listen, I don't know what the role is. I don't know if, what you're going to pay me. Um, but I have got to come work for this team because there's no way an NHL hockey team is coming to Seattle that I'm not going to be involved with. So it's been a, it's been a journey to get back into the game. But you know, I think what I love about it is you know I've um, I've got a big part of the, the tech experience here, the fan experience here. Um, it's a startup. You know, I called it last week in an interview the Nirvana of all startups because um, we are from ground zero to an NHL team in a billion dollar arena. And for me as a Canadian, as a hockey guy, it's a hockey team, right? And so this for me is the trifecta beyond all. And it's, uh, it's been a great experience, you know, being part of it from, you know, I think I was employee number 10 or something. And, you know, now just birthing this team. And I was in the room at the Board of Governors meeting in Sea Island, Georgia, two years ago when Commissioner Bettman uh, provided us the announcement of, of getting the team. And it's just been an amazing ride. And it's, uh, it's just beginning. So I'd I'm curious, when did the transition for you uh, begin? In other words, hockey, at least playing it, isn't going to be my future as a, as a career and a job. And how do you make – there's a lot of guys who 
go get a real job, so to speak. Yeah. But tech is pretty uh, specific. Uh, how do you make the – when did you realize it was going to have to be something else for a career, and how did you make that uh, transition? It's a great point, and, um, you know, I've got a lot of a lot of my ex-teammates that have gone on to do really interesting things. My, my transition actually started much before this, um, and my transition out of hockey started while I was probably 10 years, um, you know, I was probably 14, 15, and all I wanted to do was play hockey. And my mom said to me, uh-uh, you're going to stick in school, you're going to get grades, you're going to go to college, and you're going to have a future after the game. You can go and excel as you can in this game, but you're going to, you're going to provide and you're going to have a runway following the game. And so, you know, all the way through, I've been a really curious person, you know, all the way through, you know, thinking about businesses and other things. So even while I was playing, I was always thinking about kind of the what's next, but it started with that statement from my mom of like, putting the hammer down, like you are going to think about life after. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been surrounded by, entrepreneurs my whole life, my, my dad, my stepmom, um, my uncles, um, you know, my best friend who actually gave me my very first job. I'll get to that in a minute, but all of them were always building things. And I always had this curiosity around how do you build companies? How do you build products? How do you, how do you grow something that's not just 25 guys in a dressing room? And, um, you know, my, I'm not a techie in, in terms of I'm not writing code, but I've, I've been able to leverage a lot of other smart people and, and build ideas around how do we use technology to make things better in our world, um, you know, big or small. And it's been, um, it's been really interesting, but it was, it's funny timing for this, um, this podcast because um, it was 25 years ago, last Friday, it was my birthday. And that's why part of the reason I remember it was December the 4th of 1995 and that was my very first day of real work post hockey. So it was 25 years ago last Friday. Um, my best friend, Tim Diamond, um, had just, uh, he was the founder of a, um, a financial services company in Toronto. Um, he provided me an opportunity to become a sales guy. Um, and with that, you know, started this journey over 25 years that I now find myself in this amazing role. But it's, you know, as I think about that arc and that journey, it's been, um, been a lot of hard work. Um, it's been some really good luck in finding people like Tim and Mike Serbinas and others in my, in my journey. And, um, you know, I'm just really, really blessed to be where I am today. Todd, so obviously the commissioner showed you guys where the gas pedal was and you started to accelerate. When did it really start to take off? Was it after you guys announced the name or was it right from the get-go? It was even before the get-go. Um, so, you know, when we got awarded, what you have to do in the NHL is you need to, have, I think it's 5,000 season ticket deposits have to be paid for. Um, and I think it took Vegas, I don't know what all, maybe it's 10,000 deposits. And it took Vegas five or six weeks to get there. March the 1st of 2018, we went to market with our season ticket uh, deposit plan. And we had 10,000 deposits in 12 minutes. 12 minutes. I mean, it was insane. By the end of the day, we actually had to cut it off. Um, and this is before we have the team, of course, you have to hit this marker to get the, the, the expansion team. Before the end of the 24 hours was up, we had 32,000 depositors. We cut it off finally and 32,000, 32 is a big number for us because of course we're the 32nd franchise, 32,000 depositors. That was March 1st. And again, another thing on my 50th birthday, 
um, was actually the day two years ago. A lot of things happened on my birthday, apparently. Uh, a lot of December the 4th of um, 2018, my 50th birthday, that was the day we were awarded the franchise. And it was, um, but at that point, you know, we had, we had started the momentum of the franchise. You know, Todd had joined us obviously full-time, like Wiki that is. Um, we had, you know, six or seven people full-time on staff and it's been, it's been nonstop since then. So we're, you know, two years and three days since the announcement. Um, but we have been running for, for near, nearly three years. I can only assume the, uh, response from the public there has been tremendous. I mean, I remember Seattle as a hockey town from the old Western Hockey League days. Yeah. Uh, the Seattle Totems. I had relatives who lived in Seattle. We'd make the trek down there to watch those games, aside from those horrible road trips to watch the Seahawks. It's a beautiful city. I think it's a young city. It's In many ways, I consider it a sort of a twin of Vancouver, which is my hometown. How much buzz is happening there now uh, that it's going to be real? There's, there's going to be the National Hockey League in that city. It, it is. Um, it's beyond a buzz. Um, you know, I think the, the season tickets is amazing. Uh, the tw- you know, 10,000 in 12 minutes. We've now got 60,000 people on a waiting list to get on our paid list. Um, you know, you guys know that Seattle is a sports town. You know, when the Blue Jays roll in town here every year, they get a bit of a taste of it. The Seahawks, the Sounders were playing in the semifinals tonight, our, our MLS team. You know, the Mariners have been through a bit of a tough stretch, but after the Sonics left in 2008, I mean, that was a, that was a, you know, nice to the heart of our sports fans because that winter team has gone away. Um, that said, um, you know, the, the momentum, the excitement around this city, you know, you, you can't find, I can't wear something cracking out. And if originally it just said NHL Seattle, um, I can't wear something cracking without somebody saying something to me. And it's the story of I'm on the list. I selected my tickets. Can't wait to tailgate. Can't wait to go to this incredible new arena. So the excitement's palpable. I think, you know, being the winter sport um, team here is going to be amazing. One of the things that, you know, Todd and myself and others are excited about, the, the hockey folks in our group, is bringing this sport to this city. We are so excited for people to discover it because unlike Edmonton or Toronto, where I'm from, this is not a, a known quantity here. And so when you take the grace of basketball, the physicality of, of football, and you mesh it together, um, we think people are just going to be blown away by what hockey is live and in, in through a broadcast. Well, one of the things, and both Robin and I go back to the Western Hockey League, I was doing play-by-play with Moose Jaw back in the late 80s, and Robin was covering the Kamloops Blazers, but I can't speak for Robin, but I used to love those road trips into the old Seattle Center, which is can't be more than how many yards from where you're building, rebuilding the new yep. arena. But every time I was in there, I, I just said to myself, this would be a great NHL town because I just got that vibe. The building was humming. And now you're going into what's a retrofit on this building, and I just can't see that place doing anything but jump, which makes your job even easier. But it also raises the bar a little bit, does it not? Well, it does. And, you know, you mentioned Seattle Center. It was built, you know, in 1962 for the World's Fair, as was the, the Space Needle, as is the monorail. Um, and we actually, the building um, is actually on Seattle Center property. So we are the only arena, as far as we can tell, in a park 
at Discovery Four Acre Campus. Um, and it's just going to be, we think it's going to really add to the elements. You see what Toronto's done with Jurassic Park outside there. We got 74 acres. I mean, we're going to be able to have some jumping parties out there. Um, and you know, you mentioned the arena. The only thing that remains from the arena is the roof and it's a national historical landmark. Uh, federally, it's uh, only the second roof that is aside from Madison Square Garden when it comes to arenas. Um, so we had to support a 44 million pound roof while we built a brand new, what is now a $1.1 billion arena underneath the roof. And it's just been incredible to watch it. I was in it last week. Um, the sight lines here, what we've done is we've gone down 15 feet even more underground. So it, the sight lines are incredible. 85% of seats are actually below ground. So they're below grade. You walk in and you go down. And so it's just going to have a, it's going to have a very, um, you know, under the sea kind of feel, if you will. Um, it's going to have, we're going to, we're going to make this place rock, but the fans here, listen, it is, you know, you go to what is now Lumen Field, Seahawk Stadium. It is the loudest building I've ever been in and it's outdoors. So we're going to bring that indoors. Um, we really think that, um, you know, this is going to become a hockey town quickly. It's going to become a place that players want to come to. Um, it's going to become a place that teams don't want to come to. Um, we think it's going to be a hard place to play. And, you know, we've got acoustic treatments up in the ceiling that is going to reverberate this sound in a way that's never been heard in a rink before. What's so cool about this, at least, uh, Todd, for somebody my age and Bryn, Bryn's age as well, you mentioned Lenny Wilkins. I remember Lenny Wilkins as a player. Uh, yeah. I remember going to when they were the not just the Sonics but the Super Sonics games when Jack Sikma and Fred Brown and wow. uh, all those players were there. I mentioned the Seahawks. The history with for me with Seattle obviously is older, but when I look ahead, I see what you're doing to the arena. That I mean, keeping that roof and everything else is new a billion dollars like holy cow. Um right down to the name and the uniforms and the colors. Then I look at the hires, a Cami Granado, maybe the best women's hockey player ever. And of course, married to a good friend of the show, Ray Ferraro. Uh, it's, it's sort of what's old is new again. And this is a very young, it seems to me, and vibrant uh, franchise moving forward. And, and very much intentionally so. Um, you know, we, we hired Ron Francis as our general manager, Hockey Hall of Famer, you know, number two all-time in assists, number five in points, which he did that pretty quietly, you know. And he, he reminds me uh, often, he's like, well, quietly, but it was over 21 years. Like, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a short career. Um, you know, we've, I think we've done a really good job of hiring intentionally, um, hiring for quality of people. Um, Candy's a great example of somebody that, you know, Ron obviously knew from his playing career and, and the hockey world. Hey, listen, they're in the Hockey Hall of Fame together. How cool is that? You know, I was on a call a couple of weeks ago and I was like, holy smokes, like I'm staring at two Hockey Hall of Famers here and one of them is a woman. Like that is awesome. And we've been really intentional about who we hire and how we hire. Um, it's actually part of our corporate goals. I'll be candid with you every year. Um, of what does what is the what does um, our team look like? Um, right now, we're forty plus percent women, 
And I challenge you to find any other sports organization that is um, more than maybe 25. We are more, I think we're 27, 28% diversity right now. So we are being very thoughtful. And I think what that's allowed us to do, um, one, Seattle is a very diverse city. Um, and it's very thoughtful in, in these sorts of areas. And so as we think about um, the lack of hockey experience with some people on our team, I actually think it provides a really interesting dimension to how we're building because people bring different ideas. It's not the same old, same old. We are going deep on making sure that we're a diverse team, both gender and diversity. And with that, we're getting different ideas and it's allowing us to build an organization that we think is going to be very differentiated. Um, and it starts with Todd Lewicki. It starts with Ron Francis on the hockey side. And I think it's going to make us better all the way through. Um, and so we are, we're, you know, we're building a team, we're building a billion dollar arena. I actually have oversight into the training center that we're building. It's a $92 million training center. And this thing is going to like, I've been into a lot of other training centers and, and practice facilities. This thing's going to blow your socks off. Um, and intentionally so, because we know that we want to become a team that people want to come play for. Um, and we think this is going to make us better. Talk to us a little bit about the naming of the arena. And who's involved in that? And get, that's a pretty, pretty sizable company that came on board with you guys. You know, and Amazon is an amazing company. I spent one year of my career there and um, have a lot of uh, friends there. And one of our owners, uh, who's a friend of mine, Andy Jassy, is the CEO of Amazon Web Services. Um, you know, arguably the number two guy at Amazon behind Jeff Bezos. And so, you know, Andy's one of our owners and he did recuse himself from the conversations that we had corporately with them. Um, but we wanted to do something, you know, listen, we could go and name it after another insurance company or a telco or, you know, whoever it might be. Um, again, I mentioned Seattle as a, as a diverse, very thoughtful community. And we thought, let's go and try to do something different here. And so we obviously approached Amazon. Hey, listen, Amazon Arena sounds really cool. But they came back to us and said, you know, we're, we have founded the Climate Pledge. It's all around, you know, um, attention and raising capital and getting companies to commit to going zero carbon and, um, and reducing their footprint. And so the Climate Pledge, Amazon's got billions of dollars invested here. They wanted to not put their name on it, but they wanted to make the Climate Pledge the focus. And, you know, I, I just think it's super unique. Um, I, I love the intentionality around it. We had to go back and make some significant tens of millions of dollars of changes to our arena to ensure that we were going to be, you know, zero emissions um, and carbon neutral. Um, and with that, um, I think it just puts a stake in the ground. And you've seen some other arenas come out and make claims towards that going forward. And I think we, you know, we had some artists in the music industry and others that were challenging us from single use plastic all the way through to, how much water is being wasted in this arena. So we're actually going to capture rainwater and turn it into ice. I mean, we got enough rain out here, as you guys know. So yeah. we're going to do things differently. And it's, it's just going to be it's a really cool part of our, of our um, just the overall, um, it's, just, it's the overall feel of, the, of our organization. Didn't you just put the sign up on top of the building in the last week or so? Dude, I was, I was there on Saturday morning. It was amazing. We had a Blackhawk helicopter rise up these four signs for each each side of the um the crown id it was incredible to see and he did all four signs in less 
than 30 minutes. I mean, this guy, you know, has got military background. He fights forest fires through a helicopter uh, as a pilot. It was incredible to watch it. Um, and it, for us, it was a bit of a crowning moment. We actually celebrated on a team call early this morning because it is a moment that sign is going to be really reminiscent of who we are as a, as a city, as a building, as an organization. Todd, part of your title is fan experience. And you can talk specifically about your your market, but how much change are we going to see in what we call the fan experience? What does fan experience look like to you moving forward? Well, it's funny. I was I was listening to my very good friend from when we were probably seven years old, Jamie Campbell, who was on your show last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie and I grew up about seven, seven, literally seven doors away from each other. Um, as we were young kids, we used to he used to sneak me in the back door of Maple Leaf Gardens. I mean, we we go way back, so it's a pleasure to follow him on this show. Um, but I heard you guys talking about you know the building in Toronto. And I heard you talking about, uh, Jamie mentioned, like, is everyone going to have iPads at their seats? Like, what's that fan experience going to look like? <sighs> Listen, I think technology has come a long way, obviously, in the last 25 years. You think about what the, what the web has done, what mobile has done for people, humanity overall. Um, I, we're, we're trying to use technology in a way that is not cumbersome, is not intrusive, yet is, uh, allows for a more efficient and enjoyable experience. And I'll tell you a few items um, regarding that. So you've had, you know, there's been uh, situations where teams are trying to drive people to look at their phones during the game. It's a terrible idea. If someone's sitting in this amazing arena, if they've paid hundreds of dollars, let's have them watch the freaking game, right? So we're, you know, we, we actually took an Amazon approach to this, which is working backwards. Like from the final product that we're going to deliver to our fans, let's work backwards through all of the situations um, that they may experience. And what we discovered was the average NHL fan, once they get on premise, they, they get outside the arena. From the time they get outside the arena all the way through their experience to when they leave, they wait in lines more than 50 minutes, five zero, almost an hour of wait time. And you can count it out. It is security line. It's getting your ticket scan line. It's what does every hockey fan do? They walk in, they buy a couple of beers. Then they go to a different stand so they can buy the food they want. Then, you know, eventually they go and buy a price of merchandise and then they go to their seat and then they go to the restroom. And then what do they do? They do it again. And every step of the way from food, beverage, restrooms, merchandise, there is a wait time. And so we're, we're looking at it. We said, okay, well, how do we, how do we help here? And there's some arena designs where we're going to be less sort of belly up to the bar, wait in these long, arduous lines for the person behind the counter to take your order, fulfill your order, take your payment. So we're going to have more marketplaces. Imagine a ski lodge when you walk in and you actually go and pick up your stuff and then go and check out. But we are building, we got permission from our ownership, and one of my teams is building this. It is a our own application, so it's our mobile and it's going to be highly focused to make the fan experience more efficient. It's focused on ticketing because, listen, buying, selling, transferring tickets is a real pain in the butt. So it's going to be focused on ticketing. It's going to be focused on transportation. How do we help you as a fan know how to get to the game most efficiently? If you're driving from the north, the north end of our city, I don't want you parking on the south end of our building. I'm going to give you a very defined parking lot 
and preferably parking spot to go to that from our perspective, we're going to know is going to make the most efficient experience. More than that, one thing we've done as an organization is if you've got a ticket in your app, you have free public transportation to and from the games. So that's going to be embedded into the app as well. And then transactionally, once you're in the arena, you're going to be able to use that app to simply know where to go for food, how to pay for it quickly. So really looking for the inefficiencies in the fan experience all the way through. And we think if we can have people getting in, through, and out of an arena more more efficiently, they're going to enjoy it more. Certainly, they're going to enjoy it more. They're going to see more of the action. We actually think they're going to spend more money. Um, so we're you know looking at it both selfishly and unselfishly, uh, but we think we're going to deliver an experience through the app that's going to be unparalleled. Um, and just overall, we're being really thoughtful in the design of the building to how does this make it better for the fans. So we're not to answer Jamie's question. We're not going to have iPads on the back of the uh, on the back of the seats. We want people watching the game. We've done something super cool. You can see it in some of our designs. Rather than one big center-hung scoreboard like you have at Rogers Place in Edmonton and everywhere else, we've got two. We've got two scoreboards that are basically over each goal. They're three-sided scoreboards, so everybody in the building is actually closer to a scoreboard, and we're going to be able to to utilize those in ways along with opening up the middle of the ice from a fan perspective to be able to see directly across. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly. Now, here's the question. We still need to get an NHL season out of the way here. And hopefully that's going to start up here in January. Are you going to get a chance to tour around a little bit and see what other teams are, are doing? Or have you already done that? We've certainly done some of that. Um, did that in the, what was that, 1920 season? No, 1819 season. Did a little bit, went to the All Star game this year. Uh, one of my last trips actually was to Edmonton up to Rogers Place with a guy by the name of Dave Tippett. Um, and when Tip was here, he was, uh, you know, he was our senior consultant on all things hockey and, uh, until he took the job with the Oilers. I got to tell you, one of my saddest days, happiest and saddest days with this organization was the day he left us. Um, Tip and I, we shared a, uh, we actually shared a cubicle wall. So I'd be able to see the top of his head all day long. And we're, you know, we're on, right now we're on the second floor of an office space and I remember looking at him one day and, uh, you know, outside of our window is this empty parking lot, rainy day in February. And I reached up over the, uh, the cubicle. And I said, Hey, Tip, look outside. And he looks out and I said, this is a long way from coach of the year, man. <laughs> it was like so startup-y. Uh, but what a, you know, just a gem of a human being. And uh, so Tip and I went up to Edmonton with some others, uh, toured Rogers Place, um, and toured San Jose, toured L.A., um, looking at some of the, you know, the newer buildings, um, looked at Detroit, what they had done. Um, simple things, right? When you look at a building like Detroit, the one big mistake they made there was they put in red seats. And so every time somebody wasn't sitting in the seat, it looked like a, you know, a, a fire alarm going off. Um, so we, we've spent some time in other arenas. And, you know, the one thing I'll say about my colleagues and others around the league is they've been so open to us. The excitement about us coming in has been great, and they've been really willing to talk to us about what's worked, what hasn't, what they wish they could do, because we are, I like to say, we are a fresh sheet of ice, and we are just starting from ground zero, and, um, you know, we've learned a lot from these other teams, both in hockey and some other sports as well. So how long is it till Vancouver gets really jealous and starts hating you guys? Right well, away, our, our CEO... 
Oh, man, we're starting it already. I think we've maybe uh, gone after them a little bit on social media already. Listen, I love I, I love Canadian NHL teams, and uh, our, our COO, Victor DeBonis, uh, he was uh, up in Vancouver for a quarter of a century, and uh, it, it's going to be a ton of fun. This I-5 series, the corridor is going to be rocking. If you think about the division, right, you've got Calgary and Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle, uh, you got Vegas, San Jose, Anaheim, LA. Like it is going to be intense. Um, the rivalries are there already with some of those teams. I think about Calgary, Edmonton. I think about San Jose, Vegas. I think we in Vancouver. Vancouver's always been sitting there. Like, yeah, people have a rivalry with them, but this one is going to be hardcore. Um, I think the the fans are going to travel back and forth, and hopefully they take the train. I'm sure a few cocktails will be tipped in between. Uh, but it's going to be a great rivalry, and we're listen. We're excited about it. It's going to it's going to be fun. Hey, one other thing: it's always important to have the other pro sports teams, even some of the uh, let's say the the lesser sports teams, involved with you or at least backing you a little bit. I know the C, some of the Seahawks guys are involved with the soccer team and the baseball team, and a fourteen year old here who's. He loves hockey, but he really loves basketball and would love to see a basketball team come back to Seattle. So I don't even know where to start with this, but how important is it to have all those teams backing you? And also, do you think this will also resurge the interest in getting a basketball team back in there as well? Because the more the merrier. It just kind of feeds off itself, does it not? It it does. I'll answer the the first question is – you know, the other teams here, you know, I think about, we've got college teams here. Certainly the UW is, is a big part of this uh, this environment here. You've got the Seahawks, you've got the Mariners, you've got the, the Sounders, you've got the, the Seattle Rain, our, our uh, women's soccer team, you've got the Seattle Storm. So we've got, there's a lot of sports in this city. They have been fantastic. Um, I mean, the Storm is going to be a tenant in our building. We have built this building for basketball as well, but they've been so supportive of us. And if you think about some of the interactions, you know, Todd Lewicki, our CEO, just took an ownership position, a minor ownership position in the Sounders. Adrian Hanauer, who's the CEO and owner, majority owner of the Sounders, is actually one of our owners as well. So there's already some, you know, interaction back and forth that they've been just great with us. And I think that, you know, we all know that the, uh, the Seattle fan is going to continue to go to soccer games and football games and baseball games. You know, again, we built the arena for basketball as well. Um, we, we don't talk about the NBA. We don't want to get ahead of the commissioner and what Commissioner Silver and, and his team are doing. But, listen, I get asked all the time about it. I'm a hockey guy, so I just – I really wanted to see the, the hockey team come here. And after 20 years living in a city without one, um, it's going to blow people's socks off. But, you know, there's still excitement about basketball here. Uh, you know, Detlef Shrimp, who, um, you know, the, one of the more famous Sonics players, he's a friend of mine here. Um, you go anywhere with him and people are still clamoring for time with him, a picture with him. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's great hope in this city for, for what, what can come. Todd, thanks for your time. We got to get you on one more time before you guys drop the puck down there. I don't know how, I know you're going to get busy over the summer, but uh, thanks for your no, time. Man. Thanks for your time today. Great seeing you again. And uh, hopefully maybe when you're up here, uh, Robin will buy us lunch. Hey, I, I look forward to lunch. I look forward to a beer. And uh, anytime you guys want me on, I always have time for you guys. And uh, I told uh, told Jamie last week we got to get on one of your shows together sometime. We'll do we'll that. And, stories. and not only that, but uh, I know there's a lot of fans up in Alberta here that would really uh, 
are drooling at the at the thought of coming down and watching the Flames and the Oilers play in Seattle. I'll be, that'll be great fun. So uh, thanks for your time today. It's great to see you guys. Appreciate you having me on. You know what, guys? I I actually played the wrong music. I should have played something Christmassy because we're in the holiday time and people are well. Sorry, let me rephrase this. People aren't panicking. Guys are panicking because guys leave it to the last minute, right? So if you're looking for something a little special to give that somebody special in your household who might be a sports fan something fun, we're doing what we did last year. We we talked with Jack Cookson from Pro Am Sports who joins us on the Outsiders today. Jack, how you doing? Well, gentlemen, thanks for having me again. I guess the only difference this time around is we're doing it via Zoom, which we didn't have to do it this time last year. How much has this changed how you're having to operate? It's, I came by and saw you a few weeks ago, and it was just not the same having to mask up, but that's just where we are. Well, if you had told me uh, nine months ago that our two hottest selling items in 2020 were going to be face masks with team logos on them and... Uh, hockey jerseys for games that weren't going to be played in 2020 uh i would have said you're nuts but here we are and those are the two hottest selling items face masks with team logos and and the nhl launched a new jersey uh last week that we uh, were able to start selling uh saturday night or sunday morning at midnight and it's been uh it's been 2020 now jack how much has things have things changed for you in terms of people getting their gear is this uh do you still have uh in-store shopping is it all curbside pickup after online ordering uh what's happening with your shop right now uh right now yes 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 uh you can come in and browse and, and shop as you normally would we we have tighter hours uh we're noon to six monday to friday sorry, 11 to 6, Monday to Friday, and uh, 11 to 4 on Saturdays. Where we've always been closed on Sundays. Um, so that has changed uh, as far as everybody has to wear face masks when they come in, and we've got a, a hand sanitizer table as, as you walk in the front door. And if we get to a max capacity of, of six guests, we lock the doors, uh, but we have signs posted out front. Uh, our curbside pickup was huge uh, during the lockdown. Uh, earlier this year and when we first reopened um, and then it, it waned, I guess, as people got more comfortable with uh, or, or, or less risk averse uh, to what we've been going through. And, but in the last couple of weeks uh, we are doing more curbside pickups like it was way back in the spring. And then of course online, uh, which, you know, the beauty about online is you can shop 24 uh, seven wherever you are, uh, whenever it's convenient to you. And, and, uh, our Canada Post uh, driver and and our uh, Pure Later driver are uh, keeping busy and and uh, we're 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 happy that uh, ecom is has we were already doing that uh, but it, it absolutely has exploded with uh, with everything that's been thrown our way now because somebody can download this podcast at any time by the time they do this we this may be past history but what is kind of your deadline for delivery stuff can you get can you get stuff to people? We're taping on the 7th of December, a date that will live in infamy. But what would be your deadline in terms of getting stuff out to people when it's exploded and there's so much delivery stuff out there? Well, Are we shop early. We've actually, yeah, we, we've actually got 
uh, 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 we call it the holiday playbook on our website. I've got it up right now because uh, I should have been a little bit more prepared. If you were planning to have uh, your order shipped, uh, we're kind of already past it for sewing and for framing. Uh, not kind of, we absolutely are. Uh, for pickup, uh, we can, you know, we can see all the way up till the, the 23rd, but this is going to be deadline week, uh, for Eastern Canada, uh, Central Canada. Uh, and then we've got a few more days, probably about, about, about Thursday. Uh, we're going to be warning people that, that place orders online, uh, that, uh, it, it's most likely not going to get to you. And that's not for anything that we're doing or even the folks at Canada Post are doing. I mean, they've done yeoman's work this year, getting stuff to people. It's just that I, my, my mom just turned 80 on, on the weekend. Happy birthday, mom. Uh, and, uh, she's shopping online now. If you had a total, that masks, jerseys for hockey games that aren't being played and my mom shopping online. Uh, those are the three craziest things in 2020. So she's not alone. And, and so because of that, uh, the, uh, the folks that are delivering the goods uh, are, are under immense pressure because the last thing you want to do is ruin somebody's holiday season. Now, when the NHL started talking about these retro jerseys, I think, you know, as they were released on social media, everybody was giving their takes on, what they liked and what they thought was awful. Um, what, if anything, at this point are you seeing about uh, the the most popular jerseys out there of the of this retro gear? Well, here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize: uh, when we booked these jerseys, we booked them back. Uh, we booked them with Adidas back in January and February, and uh, our catalog is basically police uh, outlines. It's it's a it's a cutout of a jersey with TBD on on the catalog page. So literally, and I'm not making this up. People don't believe us, but we saw them when you did. Wow. So we we're 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 placing uh, our faith in the designers at, uh, at Adidas and and uh, the people that, that do that kind of thing with the Oilers and the Flames and, and so on. And, and hoping like heck that uh, they get something that the uh, the sports fan will will enjoy and and the Oilers jersey's gone over really well the Flames uh, jersey has gone over really really well yeah. uh, the flaming yeah. iguana well it, yeah the, uh, well it depends on who you talk to uh, Blasty's pretty popular in the four hundred three but I've heard him referred to as Blasty the Mule uh, up here in in oil country. Uh, the, the Nordiques slash Avalanche jersey, uh, has been phenomenal. The Capitals jersey is one that has been popular. And others have been panned. The Detroit Red Wings jersey kind of looks like a practice jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the downside is we're buying, we're buying them blind. Uh, the upside is if they get it right and they got it right in Edmonton. I kind of wish personally, and this is probably my age showing you guys would may or may not agree. I wish they would have gone with the reverse uh, Oilers crest on it, like they had in the WHA, where it would have been orange uh, Oilers word mark and then the blue oil drop. But still, the the uh, the demand and and response to to this has, has been uh, better than I thought, given uh, that there wasn't going to be any games played in it. This, this you know, in 2020, they'll wear it in 2021. Man, you're going back to the Edmonton Gardens days, not the Coliseum. When you're talking about that jersey. The one that they've selected, I think, is year two or three. So we're still going back to World Hockey Association times, but but the one you're talking about, that's that's the original that Bill Hunter came out with, based on the 
You know the story in the colors, right, Jack? They were supposed to. They're supposed I to get. Not. They were supposed to get Gulf Oil. Gulf Oil was committed uh, to coming on board as their major sponsor. So Bill Hunter, this is what Bill told me. I was lucky enough when I worked at the Oilers to have an office right next door to his, and I'd go in for some great stories. He would tell me these stories, <laughs> and he told me that uh, that Gulf was on board, so they went with blue and orange. And the next thing you know, something had happened. Uh, somebody got replaced at Gulf, and they pulled the pin. And the jerseys had already been ordered with those colors. So he says, we'll just have to stay with those colors. And they did. And it's been blue and it's been orange for the orders with the exception of the dark, the Navy, uh, the Navy color. But I always, I still love that story. It was more fun coming from Bill, but I, I, I remember going as a kid like you to, uh, to the games way back, way back in the days. And uh, I, I know it's going to be successful. One of the other things too, you and I talked about this briefly, and we just chatted a, a little while ago with Todd Humphrey, who is the Senior Vice President for Digital and Fan Experience with the Seattle Kraken. They're coming on board next season, provided we have this season coming up. But uh, the, the Kraken's been an interesting story. Are you getting any interest on that in terms of merchandise? Yeah, we uh, we sell pucks, we sell uh, headwear, we sell T-shirts. Uh, some novelties are starting to roll in. Uh, it's it it's a great logo. I think they did a, a, a terrific job with it. People like new, obviously. Yeah. Uh, they like new. And uh, the, the best thing about uh, the Kraken is uh, they're undefeated. And uh, there isn't anybody who hates them yet uh, uh, because they haven't played that game. You know, once once they get going, I'm sure that uh, Oilers fans and Flames fans will uh, revile them uh, like they do the Canucks and the Jets and, and other teams that are uh, in their uh, – in their division or, or, you know, in their, their sphere. What's the, uh, so far, what's the demographic on people interested in the, uh, Seattle stuff? My assumption is it would be a younger crowd. That's, you know what, Robin, that, that, that's a little bit of a difficult question. Uh, just simply because we're not seeing as much in store, mm -hmm. uh, for, for these items. Uh, they're more e-com. Uh, so we're not seeing who is actually getting them at the, at the end, uh, but you know we're selling adult uh, products. Uh, we're not we, we haven't got the the kids stuff in yet, but but will in, in 2021. Um, so I'm assuming that it's just it's adults that are uh, or large kids uh, wearing wearing the gear. Okay, so uh, once again, as we head into the holidays here, what uh, what other new and exciting things have you got? I, your wall art is fa fantastic. If somebody's got a sports den or something and they want to put something on the wall you guys have got a great selection of that yeah this has been the the year of the fan cave fan gear mm -hmm. uh you're, you can't go to games uh you can't travel uh to games or travel to maui or wherever you might do so I, we're, we're seeing a lot of people that are, are coming in and hey i've just upgraded my tv I've, uh, and I need to uh, finish up or, or change up uh, my, my fan cave. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that. And we've got everything for every price point, you know, from a $7 lanyard all the way up to, uh, you know, a Wayne Gretzky, Connor McDavid dual signed uh, frame. Uh, so we're all over the place. And, you know, we can't be everything to everybody, but we, we try and have a, a good selection. We're, we're obviously Edmonton centric. Uh, we're growing our, our Calgary product base and, and others. The, the toughest part for us is the NFL, just simply because there's no home team. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of Seattle uh, Seahawks fans in, in, 
this neck of the woods, given our geography and who we got on TV as, as uh, youngsters. But uh, the, that's the difficult part for us is, you know, you try and bring in a smattering of who you think is going to be good this year and uh, who might be the, the hot new team. I mean, we're obviously signing a lot more Tampa Bay Buccaneer gear in 2020 than we did in, in 2019, given uh, Tom Brady and Gronk and, and uh, the rest of the traveling circus down there. But, you know, your, your usual stalwarts, your, your Packers, your Cowboys, uh, Steelers, Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, uh, and then obviously the, the, the regular uh, suspects uh, in the NHL. Jack, uh, one thing I was wondering about, well, two actually, is, are the sports collectibles business, is this one of those rare businesses for reasons you suggested, people remodeling the man cave, et cetera, that's benefited a little bit from what's happened? In other words, there's been more sales than uh, you might have thought. And then the, the second thing is, what is going to happen? How hot, if it, if any, is the uh, stuff with the Edmonton Football Club going to be? Uh, because there's going to be a big change there, and whatever is made from here on out isn't going to have that old name attached to it. Uh, so I'll start with your first question, and, and the 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 quick answer to that is. Um, People love sports. The, pe- the people that love sports love sports, and that's not changing. They 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 miss it uh, when it's when it's not in, and and they talk about it as as you guys know uh, on uh, on sports radio nonstop in the middle of July. People are still debating third line uh, combinations in in the American Hockey League. So that passion just doesn't seem to wane, and and because of that, um, I, I there's I wouldn't call it a boom. Uh, but I just, if, if there is disposable income, uh, for, for somebody because of that, you know, we're not traveling this year or we're, we're just, we can't do, we're not buying tickets because we can't buy tickets. Um, people are going to invest in their passion and, and, uh, sports and rebellion. I know trading cards, uh, sports cards have uh, exploded this year. Uh, again, with graded cards, we're not in that business, but, uh, it's, it's been in, in incredible to watch the, uh, the rise in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, uh, with regards to uh, the Washington and Edmonton football teams, um, when Washington first changed their uh, their team uh, or made the announcement that they were going to be changing their team name, uh, we had we didn't have a lot of their inventory, but in anything we had, excuse me, got switched up or uh, snatched up uh, quite quickly. Uh, in Edmonton, uh, it came a little bit later, and uh, we see three people. Uh, three different types of, of, of uh, guests for, for that type of item right now. The, you know, you're not going to tell me who I'm going to cheer for. Uh, that's kind of the minority. Uh, the the majority of people just say, hey, I want something to remember the team that I grew up with or, or, or I like. Uh, and, I, you know, it's not being done in a malicious, anti-cancel culture manner uh, at all. It's just they want something to, to remember the you know the green and gold they grew up with, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I think at the end of the day, uh, you know we have seen a bit of a spike in interest uh, for that reason, uh, but it's 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 been a tough year for CFL merchandise just because no games, yeah, uh, and 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 so little news. 
Well, hopefully we uh, find our way to a season coming up. It sounds like they might actually have one. So we'll, we'll see. The Edmonton Football Club have said that they're going to be announcing a name coming up in April. So I guess we'll wait for that. I don't know why they're waiting till April. Let's get going now. You can start selling some stuff. But thanks for your, <laughs> thanks for your time today. It's always great. Tell everybody the website. Uh, we're uh, proamsports.ca. Okay. Um, we're we're uh, we're here in Edmonton uh, on uh, 128th Ave and St. Albert Trail. Uh, entrance to our parking lot is is uh, from 128th Ave because we're right just north of the Yellowhead uh, uh, Railroad uh, crossing, and and uh, we're open 24/7 online. That's the beauty of the old interweb. Can people actually phone? Yep, we take phone calls too. <laughs> Good, perfect. <laughs> hey, listen, happy holidays to you and everybody over there. It's been a challenging year. You guys have found a way to come through it, and uh, we'll continue to talk in the new year, 2021. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, gentlemen. Wow, that one really moved along today. It was a lot of fun talking with Todd Humphrey from the Seattle Kraken. We could have gone another 20 minutes with Todd. He was really rolling, and he's a very enthusiastic guy. And uh, very positive. And there's, as you said, Robin, there's a lot to be positive about. You both, both you and I would agree that I think it's going to work beautifully in Seattle. I always felt that way back in the late 80s, going in for Western Hockey League action. And I think the only challenge they're going to have is what all U.S. teams have. And that is in the early part of the season, when you're fighting with your baseball team and your football team, your NFL team, mm-hmm. to get that attention. you got to stay competitive till Christmas and then the fans are just going to come to you. But I'm not convinced that they're going to have that problem. I think the first few years, they're just going to soar right out of the gate, and that's uh, that's fun stuff today, I thought. Well, there's always a bit of a novelty with an expansion team, but what I like about the Seattle situation is it looks like a very innovative group of people. Uh, you know, we talked with Todd about, you know, his journey from – a hockey player in the minor leagues to to his position now. That's a terrific story. But the people they're hiring, they have the hockey ops people, you know, with Ron Francis and, and you know, the hiring of Cami Granado. They, I think they've got the hockey end covered, but they're also looking forward with the building, with the tech. Um, there's a new way to do things. And if they're on the leading edge of that, uh, it, it's going to help. It's a it's a really interesting group of people. And hey, if they can catch a break, as we talked about, because the salary cap is flat and yeah. other teams can't, uh, you know, there is a cap. But let's face it, if you're just starting out, maybe other teams can outspend you a little bit. Maybe they pick up some players. Maybe they catch a break. It's a terrific city. You and I both know it well. I'm really looking forward to the puck dropping. And look, we talked about the rivalries. You know, Vancouver, Calgary, uh, Edmonton, the whole, you know, once we get back to normal divisional alignments, it's going to be a lot of fun. Big thank you also to Jack Cookson for coming on from Pro-Am Sports. If you're looking for something, get a hold of Jack. They'd love to hear from you. And the other thing we have to always remind you is that The Outsiders is brought to you by our friends at the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. And if you're interested in getting a hold of anybody at the Macintosh Group, it's real simple. Just give them a call. Yes, people still use the phone, 780-464-0075. But a lot of people go online 
and it's MacintoshGroup.ca, and they're looking for sellers, they're looking for buyers, and right now they're actually looking for somebody to give them a hand. They're looking for a new agent as well. You can email us at MightyMouth at Shaw.ca. You can check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It is at Outsiders2020. We're not changing that because we're moving into a new year either. We're going to keep it at 2020. Just to remind ourselves of the fact that we survived the year. Uh, that uh, The other thing too, and this is really important, as much as we uh, like the support of everybody, financial support is also quite, uh, quite important to us to kind of keep us rolling. That's why the Macintosh Group has come on board and, uh, and we'd be thrilled to talk to any potential you know, advertisers or people who want to do some marketing work with us because we're going to get bigger, we're going to get better, and we're going to do it with your support. Also, tell your friends and subscribe to our RSS feed on your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, et cetera, et cetera. That way, uh, when we drop a new podcast, you're going to be the first to find out. Robin, thanks for your time. Man, I can't believe the year is just about done. And for a lot of us, uh, can't end fast enough. But uh, thanks for your time today. Excellent. Hey, love the show, uh, and I'll see you next time. Okay, absolutely. Hey, by the way, when we come back next time, we're going to be talking about the World Juniors coming up in Edmonton in a bubble for the first time ever. Ryan Rashog from TSN is going to join us from inside the bubble. So we're looking forward to talking to Shogger about that. Anyway, that's it. Hope you enjoyed the program today, and it's time to get out of here. See you, Robin. Thanks. See you, Brent. In the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another edition. One thing.